Hello and welcome to episode number 69 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, we're going to be focusing on the Bezos hack. We've talked a lot on this podcast about security, especially when it comes down to cell phones. And most of the things we've talked about were kind of out there in the ether suggestions of what could happen warnings of what might happen this story is a little bit different as this is something that actually has happened to jeff bezos the richest man in the world and seemingly because of the hack took out his marriage and cost him a whole lot of money so let's just ask ourselves the questions right up front if it can happen to him do you really think it can't happen to you? The app at the center of this whole hacking debacle is a program called WhatsApp, one that I have never used, but one that it seems billions of people around the world do use, thinking it is a secure messaging app. A lot of people question that when WhatsApp was acquired by Facebook, even though they were heralded as forward thinking and being in the security corner because they added end-to-end encryption to their messages. Well, it turns out that end-to-end encryption is also something that makes it a little bit easier for nefarious people to do nefarious things. The timeline on the Bezos incident starts in April of 2018 and comes to its more or less end in January of 2019. So I did a little bit of research doing a simple web search for is WhatsApp safe and was intrigued to find an article on the website makeuseof.com from December 2019 which pondered that exact question. Now they had five points that they brought up that people should be aware of. One being that QR codes were often used to spoof a fake version of WhatsApp, that there were unencrypted backups if you had your WhatsApp data going to iCloud or syncing up to your Google Drive, they were sent unencrypted, which means the end-to-end encryption between your device while the message is coming in is nice, but if your backups aren't encrypted, you might want to be very careful about where and how you're backing that data up. Another point of concern was with how much data WhatsApp actually shares with mothership Facebook. And the thing that seemingly did get Jeff Bezos is the media file jacking ability within WhatsApp. What that all boils down to is exactly how applications on your phone are allowed to save data and where they can save the data. In a case, like the Bezos case, it is thought that a malformed video file with a little bit of a nefarious payload is what took his phone down the hacked path. When an app can only save something to its internal storage, keeping it within the app, you can only view that picture or that video in the app itself. So if you get something in WhatsApp, you can't see it in your image gallery. You can't view it on another video playing platform on your device and of course that is inconvenient something we've learned when it comes to security is quite often 
we do things that we shouldn't for convenience. When a program can then save this data instead to the external storage, it can be viewed by any program on your phone. And this is allegedly what happened to Jeff Bezos. Again, the richest man in the world. Someone I would guess that spares absolutely no expense in the name of security was pwned. In this case, not by a random hacker, but allegedly by a hacking group working in consort with the Saudi government. The timeline on this story begins in April of 2018 when Jeff Bezos and Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman meet. They exchange phone numbers, and about a month later, Jeff Bezos gets a message on WhatsApp from the Saudi prince with a video file attached to it. It seemed that the two men were having a conversation on WhatsApp about doing business in Saudi Arabia and, of course, putting the hard sell, at least that's what Bezos thought at the time, was the prince sending over a video extolling the virtues of why he would want to do business in Saudi Arabia. Now, the interesting thing to me is that after receiving this video file through WhatsApp, the amount of data leaving the phone of Jeff Bezos went sky high, which I would have to wonder how this wasn't caught by some kind of security service that Jeff Bezos would have. I'm kind of curious that somebody that works at least a bit in the tech sphere wouldn't have people monitoring this kind of stuff online. And then I might also question exactly why somebody that should know how these devices work would leave a plethora of embarrassing and damning data about himself on the phone. And I should point out that the type of phone that Bezos was using was an iPhone, not one of those Amazon phones that he sells. Hey, I can't blame him necessarily for it, but this wasn't an Android device. This was an Apple device, although I don't think they're really that different when it comes down to being targeted by the kind of hackers that this involved. So Bezos gets the MP4 video file from the Crown Prince's WhatsApp account, and then this is where the data begins to flow quite freely, skyrocketing, according to the report, by 29,000. 156% to 126 megabytes of data per day, where prior to that, the phone had been sending out about 460 kilobytes of data per day. This somehow went undetected over a period of months, with rates as much as 106 million percent higher on a monthly basis. That's 4.6 gig in a month, which gives you an idea just how large of a hack this was, at least from a data mining standpoint. I can only imagine the pictures, the videos, the texts, all of the information that you have on your phone that was now available 
to somebody that could do you quite a bit of harm. A United Nations report on the event points to Pegasus malware developed by the cyber arms dealer NSO Group, according to Wired Magazine, which has adapted the software for use on numerous iOS and Android versions over the past four years. According to the Wired article, Saudi Arabia first bought the software from the NSO Group in November of 2017 and points out that the software is quite capable of compromising a device and accessing almost any data on it, from text messages, calls, contacts, emails to apps, browsing history, and even location data. It was suggested that the software used might have also been a product called Galileo, which is put out by Hacking Team. Either way, a lot of data left the phone over an extended period of time, And what ended up happening in the world involved Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist and or intelligence agent that was murdered, which was found out to then, of course, be by people within the Saudi regime. That happened in October of 2018. In November of 2018, the Washington Post, a newspaper that Jeff Bezos owns, linked the case and the murder to the Saudi regime. Also in November, Bezos receives another unexpected text message over WhatsApp from the same account that showed a picture of a woman who looked like Lauren Sanchez. Now, I don't know if it actually was Lauren Sanchez, which I would think. It didn't say that this was a picture off of his phone. I'm assuming it was or This was somebody that looked enough like her so the hackers wouldn't totally give themselves away what they had and just wanted to send a message to Jeff Bezos. Either way, I think the message fully landed, and we all know the story of what happened then to the marriage of Jeff Bezos and the fallout from his affair, most likely because this hacking had given the people that wanted to hurt him the information that they could use to do so. In January of 2019, of course, the story broke in the American tabloids about the affair, and the story was never proven to come from the Saudi regime, but a lot of people think that's exactly where it did come from. Now, there's a lot of security implications when it comes to the cell phones and the type of hacking abilities that are out there in the world looking to do the things like that got done to Jeff Bezos. Of course, Wired Magazine, uh, they can't let anything like this go without taking a swipe at Donald Trump, (laughs) which uh, it really, it cheapens your product, Wired. I have to say it really cheapens your product. Quoting from the Wired article, such brazen targeting of a private citizen, the richest man in the world, no less, is alarming to say the least. It underscores the dangers of an unchecked private market for digital surveillance and raises serious questions about other prominent U.S. figures who have known relationships with the crown prince, like White House advisor Jared Kushner and the president Donald Trump himself. And then they go on to point out that Trump has been known to use devices of his own 
not following the security measures, even though that's been debunked over and over and over again. It would appear Wired hasn't caught up with that part of the news. So does this make me want to believe the reporting that they've got going on? I don't know. But a lot of this does seem to be echoed through other websites and other news organizations throughout the world. And it would seem to make sense that Bezos's phone was hacked and that information was then used to target him quite successfully. But don't worry, the UN is on the case, and we know they are beyond reproach. But they do make a few points in the report that a couple of associates of Jamal Khashoggi were also hacked, allegedly using the Pegasus malware during the same time period, May through June of 2018, as the Bezos hack. The UN report also says that following the hack of the phone, the crown prince then sent WhatsApp messages to Mr. Bezos in November of 2018, as we talked about with the photo, and then again in February 2019, in which he allegedly revealed private and confidential information about Jeff Bezos's personal life that were not available from public sources. So, I mean, again, I guess that would make sense if you're trying to strong arm somebody. If you were trying to blackmail somebody, you'd want them to know that you knew you had the data, you had the photos, you had the pictures. The UN wants to talk about how dangerous it is for there to be companies out there that are providing software that'll do this. While that may be true, there have always been people that are hacking into devices. There have always been groups doing this, some doing it for money and others doing it for other reasons. Maybe nefarious maybe not this is not going to stop if you can simply put an end to the security companies that are selling such software if anything this should be a wake-up call for everybody that the data on their devices is probably not secure i've been watching some of john mcafee's videos after i heard the interview that Larry Blinder of that Larry Show.com did with the outlaw John McAfee. And while he's a bit of an eccentric guy, he knows the space of security. He may be one of the best hackers out there, or at least he knows a lot of hackers and he knows the systems that are being used. And in one of his little rants, he talks about encryption. Again, we heard about encryption in WhatsApp because it was heralded as being more secure because your messages from point A to point B were encrypted. And according to McAfee, that is nothing more than a distraction right now. Because the problem with encryption from end to end when it comes to things like messaging is that at the other end, they have to be unencrypted in order for you to read them. And his point was, there really are no more secure devices out there. So it's great if your message is encrypted from point A to point B, but once it gets to you, or if you're sending the message, once it gets to the person you sent it to, that security goes out the window because it's now in plain text on the device. And ironically, again, in the case of this WhatsApp hack using a MP4 video file, When things are encrypted end-to-end, it makes it much harder, if not impossible, for most antivirus software 
to tag it as a virus when it's coming in. Instead, it's allowed to run and pop its payload onto your phone where it's probably too late by that point for your device to do anything. And this happens on laptops and desktops as well. Some of the best early viruses, and I say best, just from how well they work. Not that I want you to get infected with any of these viruses, and it's not fun when you do. But in the early days, when the people writing these viruses figured out how to get them on the system, and then they would turn off the antivirus software or just make the antivirus scanners not find what they didn't want it to find. So you think you're safe because you have an antivirus running, but in reality, your device had already been owned. McAfee's takeaway on the whole security thing was that we no longer have any security, and I can't say that he's wrong about that. We've had way too many examples of those in the public eye who've had their accounts hacked into, their photos stolen, their videos stolen, their most private moments put out there on the internet for anybody that wants to view them. It's amazing to me that people still use their phones for information, for data that they don't want to leak into the wrong hands. It is not a secure device, period. It really is amazing if you compare this to life just 20 years ago. Where were all of your photos? They were maybe in a drawer somewhere. And if you had ones you didn't want people to find, they were locked up pretty well. Maybe you had them in a safe. If you had videotapes of the naughty nature or things that were evidence in a crime that you really didn't want anybody to get a hold of, you had to take the same precautions with things like that. When you talk to somebody on the phone, there was no record that you kept in your pocket 24-7 and carried it around with you. There was no such thing as text messaging. If you got a letter from somebody, again, that contained sensitive data, you probably burned that sucker, shredded it, or again, put it in a safe or someplace nobody could find it. Today, all of these types of correspondence, all of these types of data are sitting on one little chip in one little device that we carry around with us. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a one-stop shop either for the authorities if you've done something bad or, you know, maybe not even bad. Maybe you're just doing something that the government doesn't like, and it's the one-stop shop. For any hacker out there who can pwn your device, own your data, and then blackmail you into oblivion. If it can happen to the richest man in the world, it can definitely happen to you or me. And I'm sure we would all like to think that this could never happen to us, that we would never be a target, or if we were, we would never be dumb enough to fall for one of these schemes. I mean, you got to be careful when you run into a Saudi prince, of course, but maybe that attractive man or that attractive woman that comes up and introduces themselves and adds you into WhatsApp. I mean, I would avoid WhatsApp at all costs, too. My buddy Ryan Bembrose, that I co-host the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast with, has a very simple thing when it comes to apps. Don't install them. Don't tell him I was listening or that I comprehended that little bit of his rant, but he makes a very good point. The world is getting more dangerous each and every day. You're seeing this with both Firefox and Chrome, two widely used browsers across both mobile and other devices that have been purging hundreds 
of nefarious programs, nefarious add-ons, nefarious plugins from their stores. These things can get out there in the wild. You're not safe just because you think you know the origin of whatever it is you're installing. So really, my takeaway from this isn't that you can do something to keep this from happening. The takeaway is that it's probably going to happen at some point or another, whether you think you're a target or not. Maybe somebody has an axe to grind with you. Maybe an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend has an axe to grind. Or maybe you were just randomly chosen that day to be hacked. Either way, the best thing you can do is not have anything on your phone that can compromise your safety, that can compromise your economic situation, that can compromise your relationship. I mean, if you're going to do something stupid, do it without your phone and don't take records of it. Even things that you don't think could be used against you in a nefarious way, like photos or videos or your contact list or your messages or your emails all contain data, personal information that can allow people to get into some of your accounts by finding out the answers to those magic secret questions or, at the very least, give them a starting point. So I'm not going to tell you to entirely go OTG because I know that's really, really hard to do. But with any and all data on your device, ask yourself, does it really need to be there? If not, dump it. You'll be glad you did. And on a side note to that, if you are a Windows 10 user, there's a little piece of software that I believe was mentioned on the No Agenda show that is called O&O Shut Up 10. Shut Up 10 being all one word. Do a search over at DuckDuckGo. You'll find the company website, oo-software.com. It is a very simple piece of software. It doesn't install anything. It runs and does one thing. It gives you a look at a bunch of different settings on your machine and gives you a simple way to turn off some stuff that is causing privacy problems with Windows 10 because they want to keep sending more and more and more and more data back to the mothership. This little program will let you see what your settings are and will let you make the settings a little bit more secure, often with one click. I would still suggest you go through each and every setting to understand what it is you're doing, but this gives it a very simple way to click one button and change the things to a more suggested, more private status than what Windows comes with out of the box. Because again, Windows, they want your data. And even if you don't want to go and download a program like that, at the very least, go into your privacy settings and look at what is on and what is off on your Windows 10 machine. I'm sure a lot of people don't even know that Microsoft is so nice. They give you an advertising tracking ID that they send out as they try to get you, you know, the best ads they can inside of their products. I don't know. I don't want any ads. I don't want to be tracked at all. And every little bit you can do to try to get out of that ecosystem is at least one step in the right direction. Now, I hope you like what you've been getting here on the Random Thoughts podcast. This is episode 69, dude. How could you not hear Bill and Ted? Excellent adventure in your head for episode number 69. We appreciate everybody listening, everybody commenting, and we hope you've been enjoying the shows. And if you have, do me a favor and go over to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com and click one of those subscribe buttons. And if we 
have really given you some value, and I hope that we have, click on that donate button and show us the amount of value you've gotten. It's a simple system, but it works really well. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so at Random Podcast on Twitter, R-A-N-D-U-M-B. My personal Twitter, Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. Join us over on No Agenda Social, the Twitter substitute that allows you to keep your sanity. There is an invite on randomthoughts.com if you want to go and do that. And if you want to email me, although now I've heard that emailing is adding to the climate change problem. So, I mean, you might want to avoid emailing. But if you're into that email thing, you can email us at randomthoughtspodcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughtspodcast at gmail.com. But of course, don't send any private information there because, you know, Google. Uh, who would have figured out that all this technology would lead to all of these problems? Well, a few of us did, I think. But with that, until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thank you for listening. 